Hello, everyone. Welcome to the first episode of Anna Happy Not Ill. What we're going to do over the next 30 minutes is take you through, well, really introduce ourselves as a little reminder. I'm Esty. And I'm Vanessa. And yeah, we're going to introduce ourselves, give you a bit of a summary of the podcast, what the hell we're going to be talking about for 12 episodes, take you through a couple of highlights of Vanessa's life and really just finish off with a bit of a teaser on what's coming up in episode two. One really important thing, guys, that we need you to know about this podcast is it's all about authenticity and being authentic. That also means we will be unfiltered and we will swear and we will be explicit. So please don't take it personally. And a lot of this is just my experience and my opinion and also Esty's experience and opinion. So it's not guided by medical um, advice. Um, It's just what I've learned from living my life. So let's kick off, really. Vanessa, do you want to introduce yourself? Yes, I'm quite... This is really strange, doing a podcast. Um, I'm sat in this room being recorded um, after 47 years of my life. Um, And it's weird. I'm not going to lie. It's really strange. Um, But a little bit of introduction. My name's Vanessa. As I said, I'm 47. Um, And I'm doing this podcast because... My life is not particularly special or exceptional, but the challenges I've faced in my life have been quite challenging. Um, And I think that I've really learned a lot and I wanted to share that with people out there who I know will be in a similar position. Regardless of your age, you'll have either felt it, are feeling it or about to feel it. And I really, really have a passion to share my learnings and my observations. And they are just my learnings and my observations. And my wife has been nagging me uh, to do this uh, since for a long time, actually, but certainly for the last couple of years. Do you want to talk a little bit about what you do in life and where you're from and what you like to do? So the reason my wife's here is because she's going to make sure she gets me... um, saying what needs to be said and give me structure because I'm not very structured, really. Okay, so um, I was... You live in the Cotswolds, <laughs> six animals. <laughs> yeah. I, w- I was born to my parents, Leslie and Achille, um, whoop, whoop. who shout out to the parents. Uh, my dad's uh, Italian and he was a migrant to this country. Um, and my mum is English. So grew up in the Midlands, grew up actually in Oxfordshire, Went to school in Warwickshire, went to university in Birmingham. Um, And now I live in the Cotswolds with my wife, Esty, who I met seven years ago. So not that long ago in real terms, but it does luckily feel like the only part of my life um, that's ever existed, which is good. Because as you hear my life, you'll understand why I said that. Um, So, yeah, I live in the Cotswolds. I've got Uh, a beautiful home with my wife. We've got six furry babies, uh, three dogs, sausage dogs, and three cats. But only 23 legs. Yeah, that's uh, that's true. Only 23 legs because one of them only has three legs, and that's Mm -hmm. the cat. Um, And she's very happy and very adjusted, so don't panic. Yeah, cool. Um, Thanks, Vanessa. I'm going to do a little intro as well. So, yeah, I'm Esty. Um, Where do I even start Born in Switzerland to a Spanish dad and German mum. Shout out to my mum and dad as well. Um, 
yeah, born in Switzerland, lived in Madrid, Spain until I was about, was about six and then finished off until I was 18 in Germany. I guess that makes my upbringing quite international or European, um, which is why my parents stuck me into international school. It meant that when we moved every three years, I didn't have to change school systems. Um, when I was 18, I moved to England to study. So I went to Newcastle University and yeah, kind of jumped onto the career ladder and found my way in London, which I loved. I, to be honest, always have and had been with boys. So Vanessa was my first ever woman and girl. Um, and yeah, kind of did the whole falling in love first time, um, lived in London for a year whilst I was with Vanessa and then moved into the Cotswolds with her. I think Vanessa's also, I got to mention one really important thing, which about three and a half years ago, we discovered the love of camping. So we have a camper van and we take our three dogs, sausage dogs, Hilda, Otto and Lucas away on UK and European journeys. Um, and you'll get a feel of how the camper vans kind of helped Vanessa and her journey as well. Um, but yeah, just in general, quite outdoorsy people and quite fun loving. Very people. nature loving yeah, people. Yeah, exactly. And exactly. very simple life people. Um, so look, probably quite a good mix for you all to kind of associate yourselves with us, obviously being European and Vanessa also British. Um, I think hopefully there'll well, be something... hang on a minute. I'm half European. My dad's Italian. You forget that great big nugget. Yeah. So I'm not totally British. <laughs> and also the other thing that Esty has forgotten, which is also significant, is there's a, a fairly big age gap between Esty and I. Oh, yeah. Um it, it often doesn't feel like that because I think my emotional development was affected um, by what happened in my life. But I am actually much older and wiser than she is. Um, so there is a big age gap. And I think that's relevant for this podcast because, you know, when we talk about some of the things we're going to talk about, Esty can kind of put her 10 pennies worth in on whether or not, you know, her generation found that. Because certainly a lot of the things that I learned being with Esty is how much things have changed. But in a way, some of life's expectations have just become different for young people. So it might not be the same expectations I had, which drove some of my behaviours. However, there are definitely other expectations out there which will be driving other behaviours. And I certainly see that when I watch things like Love Island, um, which I do. Uh, so... There you go. Pleasure. So even though I'm, in theory, a very educated and successful person, my guilty pleasure is definitely Love Island. Um, so there you go. Cool. So that's us. Um, I think it's worth giving you guys a quick synopsis of who we are. Um, let's, Vanessa, I think we need to explain why the hell we're here and what what happened in the last 47 years as to brings and brings you here today. Yeah, I mean, th this is you know, time constrained summary, but I was born, um, I was the second of four children born into a family where my father, as I said, was a migrant. Um, my dad is amazing and is my mum because I know my mum will sit there thinking, well, why am I not amazing? Hmm. They're both so amazing, true. but my dad is an amazing man. Um, but he is Italian and he was a migrant. And I think when you are born into this country, and your parents or half of your parents are migrants, um, it does create 
different pressures and challenges to other people that I knew I grew up with. Because when migrants come... What are they? What are the pressures? Well, when migrants come to the UK, they've got to prove themselves. That's the mentality yeah. of a migrant. You get what you earn. So straight away, it's about, I work really hard. I can achieve much more. I can provide for my family. Whereas I think when you're born in a country and raised in that country, um, your mentality is slightly different because you're not trying to prove yourself. So my dad, obviously, as a migrant to the country... He had quite strong opinions about what his children did. Um, always the best intentions, but definitely very strong opinions. And Dad, when you listen to this podcast, um, you know that's true, even though I know you'll be shaking your head or denying it. So he had very strong opinions about how we grew up. And one of the things I learnt very young, or I took on board very long, was the need to have a trade. So I had to have a trade. Yeah. Um, and why, why did you take that on? Like what? It was just my my dad. I just remember him saying to me so many times, you know, you need to earn, you need to have a trade because you want to be able to earn about forty, fifty thousand pounds a year. I think a lot of people can relate to that, really, yeah. about the trade. Exactly. Thing. So yeah. get a trade. So for me, the trade was law. Um, so from a young age, I used to devour books, um, and. I loved to argue. Well, I am half Italian. So again, <laughs> it's in my DNA. Yeah. Uh, so I put my love of words um, and my love of the spoken word together and decided I wanted to be a lawyer. And I made that decision. How old were you when you decided 11. that? 11. Oh my God, that's so young, isn't it? I know. Like, how, I know. how do you know what you want to do when you're 11? <laughs> I couldn't actually tell you how I knew. I mean, by osmosis, that yeah. was what came to me. But that's the okay. thing. When I was younger, I thought that was really great that I had that certainty and that clarity. And it's only now I can look back and see how restrictive that was. Yeah, but actually, even nowadays, and you talk about different generations, I think even nowadays, if you were to become a lawyer, that'd be seen as like a really good trade and a really good job. And you know, Yeah, I mean, absolutely. P it gives you that, that kudos. People are like, wow, yeah. you must be clever. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so there's no doubt about it. But in reality... What did I not allow myself to think about doing yeah. because I was so set on yeah. being a lawyer? So moving on then to kind of family, you know, what, how, how did that impact your decisions? So I was one of four children, although my elder brother, uh, Ricardo, and I had uh, nine, no, 11 years before my younger brother and sister came along, Eduardo and Amanda. Um, my elder brother, his trade doctor, medicine, super, super successful. Um, but how it impacted us is that from a very young age, not only had we got this mindset that we had to, you know, be successful, but then we had to also be quite responsible because when you have little babies um, after a significant period of time, when you're just going into your adolescent years, um, that really kind of shits all over your parade, to be blunt. Yeah. And at the well, time, when you say adolescent years, it was also um, teenage years, wasn't well, it? Well, puberty, when, yeah, exactly. teenage years, adolescence. When same as thing. a girl, you're going to need more attention. Yeah. And, yeah, and let's not forget the big sort of elephant in the room. I was a gay girl. Yeah, and fair I, enough. I, and I didn't know. Yeah, or at least I didn't know because in those days you didn't talk about it. It wasn't on TV. We, I think, we only had like even four channels back then. Was it not the other day when we went? for a coffee in Stratford and we sat up opposite this family who we thought was the mum 
and her two daughters. No, and two sons. Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, but actually it turned out to be two daughters. No, one no, daughter and the daughter's girlfriend. girlfriend. Yeah. Um, and they were like 10 and they were so comfortable in talking about it. Well, and I, so I don't chilled think they, out. I don't, I don't think they were 10. I think they were younger than, older than 10. It's just the sign that you're aging that you think they're 10. Um, <laughs> Very young, though. Yeah, they were young and they were like together and the mum was really cool about it. And I remember saying to you, wow, gosh, I'd have never, I wouldn't even do that probably now. Yeah, exactly. Let alone then and definitely not with my mum hanging out with me. Yeah. Um, so the, yeah, you basically went to university to study law. Um, what happened there? So, well, before I went to university to study law, when I did my A-levels, um, I started to display signs of burnout um, and, you know, just ploughed on. Went to university, studied law, final year of university, massive burnout. Scraped through my university, really. Um, actually did quite well, but was barely there in my third year. Um, however, did get an unconditional offer from one of the best law firms. Um, won't mention it. Don't think I've got... There's no need, but I did get a really fantastic offer. So I did my training contract there, did it in Birmingham. Um, I looked at London or Birmingham, but didn't feel like I could go to London. Um, Why? I was scared of going to London. Um, and at the time, I didn't know that. It was, you know, it was to do with the burnout and, you know, the way I was feeling internally. Yeah, and but, we're going to go into more yeah, detail of that. But, yeah. it, you know, I didn't. Again, so I, I think. So I went to Birmingham. Yeah, I think, again, people can relate to being scared of London. You know, it is a big, wild city. <laughs> yeah, and, 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 um, and, and I was displaying at that time signs of mental health challenges. So it, it just didn't sit well. I felt safer being closer to where my parents lived. So I went to Birmingham and I did my law degree there. Um, it, again, not plain sailing. Um, and at this point, I'm, I'm talking now, you know, your first kind of job. Would you describe yourself as happy at that time? No, actually, no, I wasn't happy. But I didn't know I wasn't happy. Okay. Um, yeah. But I know I wasn't happy because I really struggled. Um, I struggled to fit in. I struggled. So at school... Uh, and I went to a great school and I, st I am still in touch with my favourite teacher from that school. And, you know, she hangs out with you and I. Um, <laughs> shout out Rebecca. Shout out Rebecca. <laughs> Rebecca Dyson, best teacher ever. Um, <laughs> you know, she was kind of like my, <clears throat> my role model at school because um, she was just very, very kind and very, very calm. But in reality, I really struggled. And it was probably because I was gay and I had these internal pressures that I put on myself and obviously external pressures pressures that are put on you um, because that's what society does. But no, I wasn't happy, Esty, um, and I can really see that. And actually one of the biggest things there was I was gay, but I was living in a heterosexual world and I didn't know how to be gay in that heterosexual world. And certainly at school, being gay was not cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> My gosh, sorry, I feel like we just need to take a moment here because so far you've talked about Having children at the very young age of 12 when you were just entering teenage years. because yeah. and for those listeners that didn't pay attention, I haven't physically had children. Yeah, but you had younger siblings coming in at a time where um, yeah. you, you needed attention. Pressure because of the migrant family side and, you know, potentially still perceived today as a healthy pressure for children, which is um, 
driving them to aspire to to get a really good trade um, in their career. You've then mentioned burnout. You've then mentioned being gay in a heterosexual world. Oh my God, <laughs> I feel like we just need to stop for a second because it's funny, I'm I'm looking at the little like schedule we've got here that we're going to talk you through over the next 12 podcasts. And the next one that's really kind of naturally fitting is mental illness. I mean, you've got to have had some issues with all that background. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I had... Um, loads of issues and they started probably at around the age of 17. Um, actually, do you know what? They started before, but they manifested in physical ways. So, you know, I did used to have um, what I can only describe now, having spent years working stuff out, uh, sort of black moods. I had um, stomach aches, uh, you know, quite upset stomach. So I did have a lot of symptoms that now they would say, oh, well, it's stress. But, you know, back in the 19 late 1980s, uh, you just didn't have that type of um, intervention available, particularly not for young kids. Um, so yeah, I did have lots of mental issues, mental health issues. Um, but that's the thing. That's what they were. They were mental health issues. Um, however, back in the late 1980s, and with that sort of push to succeed in the way that society still, maybe in slightly different ways, but still puts pressure on us to be successful, um, you know, it was framed mental illness. Um, that That's what it became. So what were actually mental health issues, and I distinguish that because I think people get confused about mental health and mental illness. So we all have mental health. Yeah. Um, as we all have physical health. So we will assess our mental and physical True, health. Yeah. But if something becomes a mental illness, it's where we haven't actually controlled our mental health, you know, because sometimes our mental health is a sign that things aren't quite in balance. Yeah, true, if yeah. we don't readdress that balance, it becomes a mental illness. And that's essentially what happened to me. So looking back now with the benefit of hindsight, if I'd have addressed those mental health signs... I probably wouldn't have gone into the territory of mental illness. Okay, fast forwarding a couple of years on now, um, we've got, you know, ugh, this just makes me angry um, talking about this, but just the sheer amount of medication you were on. Um, guys, it's, it's getting to a little bit of the grimy part of the um, <laughs> the podcast schedule, but um, it... It just was a lot and it probably, it is who you you are today. But well, ultimately, no, it's, it's, it's why I became who I am yeah, today. It's not exactly. who I am today. No, I think, you know, some important things just to add in. You know, I, I was a very successful lawyer in private practice. So even amidst all of the mental health issues that became mental illness, which we will discuss in more detail, because that's why I'm doing the podcast. Yeah. Because I want to, to, to tell anybody out there that's interested is that mental illness in a lot of cases in societies we know now can probably be prevented if we take care of our mental health and our mental health can be taken care of if we reassess what's important in our particular lives and it was just something that I wasn't wired to think about so um, I became a very successful lawyer and I spent 15 years in private practice and achieved partnership. Um, but I also then dual qualified and um, went into HR. So I was a HR director for two uh, very large private businesses for in total 10 years. 
Um, and then most recently, um, I set up my own business. And now I just help people um, be the best they can be at work and work with companies with great philosophies. However, I did all of that. And it was only really in my 40s that, and that coincided, of course, when I met you, um, it was only really in my 40s that I started to join the dots um, and started to realise uh, that a lot of the problems that I had uh, were probably, I wouldn't say preventable, but they are preventable, but it's not nice to say that to yourself because it does make you feel like maybe you didn't own it as well as you could have owned it. So if anybody listening to this podcast can start owning their decisions sooner than I did, then they'll get to where I am now quicker than I have. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's you're right. It's it's not about changing what you've what happened to you or saying that it was it was the right or wrong way. But you know, arguably your upbringing was, you know, different and encouraging and driven. I wouldn't say it was different. I just think every everybody's upbringing is different. I had the best parents. You know, yeah. my parents loved us. They yeah. loved all of us. They Sorry, what I meant was you did have your dad, who was a migrant, and therefore yeah. came with pressures that potentially yeah. people... So again, for yeah. me, my dad wasn't different. But looking back now, I can see how his values may have been different to people who don't have migrant parents. And you've got migrant parents. Totally. So you yeah. know. Um, I mean, you know, you're, you know it's, 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 a, it's a thing that migrant parents do. They can't help but drive their children. Yeah, sorry, but the point that I was trying to make was even though you had the upbringing that you had and everyone's upbringing is different, there can be at times in anyone's life positions and places where you feel like you can't get out, you're stuck in a rut and you can't see the wood for the trees. I guess the point of the podcast and why we're doing it is to show that despite being in the places that you were, and we'll go into more detail as, as we progress through the episodes, you have got out of it and you have found your freedom. Yeah. And Everyone has that opportunity, it, and it, you're just going to give healthy tips on. Yeah, exactly. I think I think it's every it's in everybody's power to make changes to their lives, yeah, um, and their values to find their own freedom. And let's talk a little bit about why have we called it "Unhappy Not Ill." I think you came up with the word with the title. What, what did yeah, because I always that? come up with good ideas. So yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> um, so that the reason for the title is because that in a nutshell, is what the conclusion is of when I reflect on those years, particularly from about 20 to 40, uh, where I was, you know, clinically diagnosed with various conditions and pumped full with various medications, um, thinking I was ill. But actually, I was just really fucking unhappy. I mean, that's the reality. I was not being true to myself. I wasn't living the life that I desired. I was living the life that I felt I should be living because I was, you know, I was a really good student. You know, it wasn't like I went to it's school. It's crazy. And like I'm sitting here going, you were an amazing student in a really good school. You got the career that everyone wants, you know, the best trade out there and, and going into really powerful companies. Yet you're sitting here today saying... That didn't make me happy. No, like, it didn't. Oh my gosh! And I, and, I, and I honestly, anybody listening to this podcast out there, I think, you know, 
the majority of people will be thinking, well, kind of sounds like me. I mean, I'm doing my job, but it doesn't make me happy. It's not my passion. There might be a bit of it that's your passion, yeah, yeah, but yeah. it's not a lot. You know, there were bits of my career that I was passionate about. But when you think how much time you spend working, it wasn't enough. Yeah. Gosh, I feel like there's going to be so much to talk about. I'm really excited to share it with you all. Um, and look, this was a little summary of what we're going to be talking you through. I, th I hope you were engaged and interested and hope to hear you in the second episode. I think what we'll do now, um, Nettie, is we'll just take everyone through what we're going to talk about in the second episode. So the theme of the second episode is growing up. Um, and yeah, let Vanessa share what we're going to talk about there. Well, I'm just going to talk a little bit more about my family in a bit more detail, giving them a fair few shout outs today already. Um, you know, the values that I've touched upon and also, you know, the curse of being good at everything, because that was really my curse. Um, I was good at everything. Yeah. And people will sit there and say, well, you know, what have you got to moan about? But you know what? Being good at everything is not what it's, it seems. Sometimes it's really good when you're not good at everything because you have... Um, less choice um, and less expectation so we're going to look at all those things um, in the next episode but we just wanted to give you a flavour so you know this is a this is a wife-wife combination um, I couldn't do this without my wife um, because she is very very good at getting me to get things out which is part of you know this process which is do we honour our true feelings in life and I Certainly, no, I didn't. And I think actually that being good at everything, I'm I'm intrigued. I know what it means, but I think everyone else is going to. Don't be know really what it feels keen. like, though, do you? Shut up. <laughs> um, so look, guys, second episode coming soon. Please subscribe to our podcast and to our Instagram page. And yeah, can't wait to see you in episode two. Bye bye.